Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. When I was 17, uh, we were at our church youth group. And they invited along a speaker to the church youth group who was a barrister, barrister in Belfast. And he basically did this talk essentially where he was presenting the the case for the resurrection. So he basically presented all the evidence for Jesus rising from the dead. And obviously he's a barrister, so he did a very good job of it. And I remember sitting there as a 17-year-old listening to this guy giving all the evidence for Jesus rising from the dead and thinking, oh my goodness, this is true. <laughs> and I really have that moment. You know, I'd been brought up in a Christian home and I'd heard lots of stuff, but I just sat there and the hairs were standing in the back of my neck and I was like, this is all real. This is true. God's real, right? And you know what my thought was in that moment? I'd better not swear, you know, because God is real. He can see me right now, you know? Uh, Jesus is real. He's the son of God. He, the whole thing all just made sense. Now, I wouldn't have had the language to say it then, but I think I was in the presence of God in that moment. And in that moment, as a 17-year-old in that church hall, in that youth group, I think what happened was God revealed the gospel to my heart. And, and you know, if you'd been sitting in that room, you wouldn't have known. I was just sitting there quietly, but that's what he did. And it was a powerful thing. And, and I was different from that moment on. I was different from that moment on. There were, there were things I did up to that point that I didn't want to do as much anymore. There were people I hung around with up to that point who I didn't really want to hang around with as much anymore. There were things I wanted to do. I mean, I, I used to get dragged along to church by my parents, and all of a sudden I had this desire to like, no, I want to go here, and I'm actually going to listen to this sermon, and this is interesting. And I, all of a sudden I wanted to share my faith with other people. There was these changes that took place because God revealed the gospel to my heart. And maybe some of you here today, you've got similar stories. You've got stories that are completely different, but there is something that happens when God reveals the gospel to our hearts. And that's what I want to talk about today. The fact that the gospel is revealed by God. The gospel is revealed by God. Now, before we start, I want to answer the question, the big question in the room, which is, what is the gospel? I used to do... um, I used to do work in schools um, where you do classroom you know, visits and go to RS classes, and you'd ask people what the gospel was, and you'd have millions of answers. None of them were right. Um, so I'm just going to share what the gospel is. I'm going to do something I, like, I hardly ever do, but I'm going to put a really long definition up. And I, oh, no, actually, our PowerPoint slides didn't come. It was going to appear up here, which would have been really helpful, but the slides, I don't know what's happened. They've somewhere disappeared. But I'm going to read it, Okay. So this is the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. All right. Now, this is, this is the extended version. Are you ready for it? Okay. It's long and there's no PowerPoint. You can't follow it. Okay. So if you drift off, you drift off. But I'm hoping some of you stay with me. Okay. All right. The Bible says all human beings everywhere are in revolt against God and therefore under his judgment. But although God stands over us in judgment because of our our sin, quite amazingly, he also stands over us in love because he is that kind of God. And the gospel is the good news of what God in love has done in Jesus Christ. 
especially in Jesus' cross and resurrection, to deal with our sin and to reconcile us to himself. Christ bore our sin on the cross. He bore the penalty, turned aside God's judgment, God's wrath from us and canceled sin. The brokenness of our lives he restores, the shattered relationships he rebuilds in the context of the church. The new life that we human beings find in Christ is granted out of the sheer grace of God. It is received by faith as we repent of our sins and turn to Jesus. We confess him as Lord and bow to him joyfully. And that, everyone, I see some eyes still on me. So some of you followed it. Well, hey, we have it up here. Fantastic. Yes. Hannah, high five. Yes, we all know that the reason Hannah went to the front was to sort that out. Good job. But that's the gospel. That's the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And that's what God revealed to me all those years ago. That's what he's revealed to lots of you as well. Amen? Amen. That is the gospel. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, this morning is the second in our new series, Gospel Freedom, where we're going through the book of Galatians. I think Beth was here last week. She looked at the, the, the chapter one uh, of Galatians. Now, just to recap, I'm sure she probably covered this last week, but Galatia is a region in what we know today as central Turkey. Paul spent some time there. He preached the gospel. Some people became Christians and some churches started in that region. And then after Paul left, some people came in and they said to these new believers, so, hey, what do you believe? You know, what have you learned from Paul? And they say, well, yeah, it's all stuff about Jesus, dying on the cross for our sins, we become Christian. And that's what they believe. And they said, well, there's some extra things that you really need to be believing as well if you're actually a truly a follower of God. And they're like, really? There's some extra things? But did Paul not tell you these extra things? Did he not tell you all these things? No, he didn't tell us all this. He just told us about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. He says, that's pretty much the thing we need to know. He said, oh, no, 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 no. There's loads of extra stuff you need to learn. Okay, so, oh, right, okay, well, hey, fill us in. I mean, so they, they really, and they start actually bad-mouthing Paul a bit. I mean, yeah, he does that. You know, he just talks about Jesus and the gospel and stuff, but there's loads more stuff that you need. So they're like, oh, right, okay, well, hey, fill us in on the details. Give us all these extra things. So they're like, okay, well, okay, first off, we've got all these feast days. Oh, they're okay, feast days. Sounds great. Okay, there's lots of them. Okay, well, let's get our diary out. Let's get these feast days in. We've got to observe these things. If we're going to be followers of God, we've got to have the feast days in the diary. Okay, fine. That sounds good. I think we can add that on. Then you've got to get circumcised. Well, certainly the guys do anyway. So, oh, okay, I mean... Sounds a bit painful, but if that's what we've got to do to be followers of God, the circumcision, we can do that. And then there's a whole bunch of extra laws that you still got to keep if you want to be followers of God. So they're like, okay, right, get us a list of those laws. We'll see how we do. All right, okay. And then they, they, they tell these people, okay, now if you do all of those things, then you can be a follower of God, okay? All of those stuff. And basically what they did was they added so much stuff that it wasn't actually the gospel they were believing anymore. They were just following a big, long list of rules. Now, Paul finds out about what happens, and he responds with this absolute stinger of a letter, all right? It is, this is the most un-British, unpolite letter in the whole Bible, you know? There's no pleases and thank yous here. Now, actually, if you read all of Paul's letter, right? letters, right? No matter how bad the church is that he's writing the letter to, he always starts off and gives thanks for them. You know, he does that, you know, the praise sandwich kind of thing where he's kind of like, he tries to think of something good and says, hey, well done for doing this, this, and this. Nothing with the Galatians, okay? He's straight in, verse six, I'm astonished that you've deserted the gospel, okay? That is, that is his opening, and you've turned to a different message. Now, you maybe looked at that last week. 
So what we're going to look at this week in chapters 1, verses 10 to 24, I think you looked at verses 1 to 9 last week, so verses 10 to 24, what we're doing, Paul is trying to get across to them, he's trying to get across to them, look, you know, I didn't make this up, you know, like this isn't something that Paul invented, this gospel is from God, if you're rejecting this, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting God, and that's what he's trying to get across to them in this passage. But just so you know, overview of Galatians, the whole book is basically Paul having a go at these guys for deserting the gospel. So most of the weeks are similar in that vein, really. So just so you know, that's, that's the way it goes. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter, 10, chapter 1, verses 10 to 24, and it will appear on the screen, which is awesome. Yes, so I will read that. You can follow in your Bibles or on the screen behind me. It says this, Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas or Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now, you might be reading that thinking, why does Paul feel the need to, you know, talk about his holiday plans and where he's been and where he's going and here for three days and there for four years and stuff. But I think what Paul's trying to do is he's trying to teach us some things about the gospel in this passage. And I think the two things I want us to look at this morning, I mean, there's loads in this passage, but the two things I want us to see this morning, they may be very obvious to you. But firstly, I think what we see in this passage is that the gospel is not of human origin, it's from God. And the second thing we see in this passage is because it's from God, it has the power to transform lives, okay? It's not from humans, it's from God, and it has the power to transform lives. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So firstly, the gospel is not of human origin, it's from God. Now, one of my favorite songs um, that I love to listen to, whenever I'm a bit down and I need a bit of a pick-me-up, is a song by uh, Third Day and Brandon Heath, and it's called Creed. And basically, I mean, they didn't write it themselves, it's basically the Apostles' Creed, and they just get a guitar out and sing the Apostles' Creed. And it's, it's a beautiful song when you're just struggling a bit. They basically, they just sing, he just sings a bunch of things that he believes. 
He says, he sings, I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I believe that he's sitting at the right hand of God. I believe he will return to judge the world. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the church. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I believe that life never ends. And I don't know, I'll sit and listen to that. I'll be like, yes, Lord, amen. Properly perks me up. But then the best bit is when he gets to the refrain and he repeats this like four or five times throughout the song. And the refrain is this. I believe what I believe. It's what makes me who I am. I did not make it. No, it is making me. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. And when I sing that a few times, I'm like, yes. But it's true though, isn't it? The gospel is not of human origin. It's not the invention of any person. It is from who? God. Yeah, it's normally Jesus when I ask for a response, but it was God that one. Well done, Joe. Yeah. Now, Think about, think about when you came to believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian here today. It probably involved somebody explaining the gospel to you, okay? Could have been a friend, could have been a parent, could have been a work colleague, could have been someone in church. For me, it was in my youth group, it was someone there who explained the gospel to me. But it's normally, it normally comes from another person explaining the gospel to you. What Paul's saying here is really interesting. He's saying... Yeah, that might have happened for all you, but that didn't happen with me. No person revealed the gospel to me. No, no, it came straight from Jesus himself. That's what he's saying. Now, many of us know the story of Paul. He persecuted believers. He's on the way to Damascus to persecute some more believers. And Jesus, the risen, resurrected Jesus, appears to him. And we read in Acts 9, Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? And he replies, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what to do. And that's all we hear that, that Jesus says to Paul. Now he may have said more, we don't know, but that's all we hear. Now what's interesting is when Paul says, yeah, Jesus revealed the gospel to me. The thing is, Jesus didn't have to teach Paul very much. He didn't have to teach Paul very much at all. You see, if you, if you are a Jewish person and you know the Old Testament scriptures really well, like Paul did, all you need to know to accept the gospel is that Jesus is alive. And when Jesus appears to you alive, that's all you need. That's all Paul needed. He knew the prophecies in the Old Testament, like the back of his hand. He knew what they were waiting for. He knew they were expecting the Messiah. Boom. Oh, it's you. All right. Everything made sense. Okay. He didn't need an explanation of gospel. Da, 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 da. He knew. Okay. So that's how Jesus revealed the gospel to Paul. All the pieces all slotted into place for, for Paul. Now, now, you might think, why is Paul telling the Galatians this? Well, he wants them to know that the gospel he preached to them is not of human origin. He didn't make it up. No, it came directly from Jesus himself. He said, look, you reject this. You rejected Jesus himself. He told it to me. And then he shares in the passage we've read there over the next 14 years, he preached the gospel. And apart from a super short trip to Jerusalem, which you read about in the passage there where he met with Peter and James, he didn't really spend any time with the disciples at all. Now, why does he tell the Galatians this? You know, why is he telling them, yeah, I don't really hang around with the other disciples that much? Well, he wants them to know that the gospel he preached to them wasn't taught to him by someone else. It wasn't like, yeah, Peter taught me this, or, or John taught me this, or James taught me this. No, 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 straight from Jesus. 
He wants them to know it came straight from God. He wants them to know the gravity of what they're doing in rejecting the gospel. So I think for us, it's really important for us to remember that the gospel is God's revelation. You know, it's not the good idea from Colin Barron or, you know, something John Owen came up with, you know, when he had a bit, of, bit too much coffee. You know, it's, it's from God. And I know this, you know, this is obvious to most of us here, but it's just worth stating. Now, most of us have heard the gospel through other people, parents, friends, work colleagues. But it's important to remember that the gospel isn't something that some dude came up with somewhere. It's not human ideas. It is from God. So we're going to recap my big, long PowerPoint slide. Are we up for that? It's here, so I won't have to just read it. Are we ready? So the gospel is the good news of what God has done and who? Jesus Christ, yeah. All human beings everywhere are in revolt against God and therefore under his judgment. But although God stands over us in judgment because of our sin, quite amazingly, he also stands over us in love because he is that kind of God. Love that. He's that kind of God. And the gospel is the good news of what God in love has done in who? Jesus Christ, yeah, especially in Jesus' cross and resurrection, to deal with our sin and to reconcile us to himself. Christ bore our sin on the cross. He bore the penalty, turned aside God's judgment, God's wrath from us, and canceled sin. We live in cancel culture, yeah, canceled sin. That's what happens. That's what Jesus does. People don't get canceled. Sin gets canceled. The brokenness of our lives he restores. The shattered relationships he rebuilds in the context of the church. The new life that we human beings find in Christ is granted out of the sheer grace of God. It is received by faith as we repent of our sins and turn to who? Amen. You're getting it. It's always Jesus, apart from when it's God. We confess him as Lord and bow to him joyfully. And that's the gospel. That's the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And it is good news. So it's, it's just, it's so important that we're clear about exactly what the gospel is. Hence me doing something I never hardly do, and that is have a big, long definition up and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But it's important. It is so important that we get it. It's also really important that we don't do what the Galatians do, and that is add stuff to the gospel. You know, I'm going to do all these good things to make sure that God likes me, to make sure that God accepts, you, accepts me. God accepts you because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Okay, so if you're doing one of those Bible in a year plans and you miss a day, God still likes you, you know, you're still accepted. If you miss a Sunday at church, you're still accepted, you know, like um, we, we laugh, but gradually over time, these good things that we do, reading our Bible, praying, going to church, we can slowly make them things that make us think, oh yeah, God accepts me because I do these good things. Okay, so... You've got permission, you can hear from me, permission to miss a day in your Bible reading. Now, if you go two days, well, you're on your own, all right? <laughs> One day's fine. Right, yeah, anyway, but you know what I mean? We, it, we often do that. We odd things. Oh, you've got to like me because I'm doing this, this, and this. No, you know, he accepts you because of the gospel. It's also important we don't take stuff away from it as well. You know, there may be some of you reading that thing and be like, wow, gosh, I don't really like the idea of the judgment of God. Sin, like, is that really such a bad thing? I'm not sure. Or, or it could be like, oh, I've always been a Christian. You know, I, I've not, you know, accepted. I thought my parents were Christians. I've always been a Christian. You know, it's very easy to like, 
to reject some of the things from the gospel, to get a red pen and go through, yeah, don't like that, don't like that, and I don't like that. And the reality is when you do that, you no longer believe the gospel. You just believe a bunch of things from the gospel that you like. And that's completely different. That's completely different. So the reality is if you're a Christian here and you believe that you believe some things about God in the Bible that make you feel a bit uncomfortable and you're like, I'm not sure about that, but I'm gonna accept it, that's a good sign. That's a sign you're probably believing what's actually there rather than just something that you like. Okay, so I'm ad-libbing a bit there, but really important. Let's not take anything away from it. Let's not add anything to it. Because when we try and change the gospel, when we add things or we take things away, what happens? It loses its transformative power. It loses its transformative power. So I just want us to think for a moment, are there things that we are tempted to add to the gospel in our lives? And are there things that we're tempted to take away from it? Might be adding Bible reading or going to church or whatever, or maybe we don't like the idea of judgment or sin. Are there things that we are tempted to do? It's just worth just thinking about that, a bit of reflection. We're all different. We all have tendencies in different directions in that. Okay, so that's the first point. Gospels from God. Second point is, uh, because the gospel is from God, it is the power to transform lives. We agree with that? Yeah. We've seen some transformed lives. We had a baptism service at SCCM a couple of months ago, and there was a lady there called Sharon. I think she goes to Gorton Church. If anybody was there, I mean, oh my goodness, it was the most powerful testimony ever. I mean, she had been to the lowest places you can be in life and God had pretty much grabbed hold of her, taken her out. The stories of God breaking through in her lives were just unbelievable. Now, I'm sitting at this baptism service, the front row, because that's what you tend to do when you're a leader. You're oh, sit in the front row because nobody else will. So, so I'm sitting there in the front row, and Max is with me, like he is here today. I took Max to give my wife a break, so he's sitting next to me in the front row. Now, Max is not listening to anything. He's sort of daydreaming and kicking the seat and whatever. Um, but as she tells her testimony... <laughs> I'm listening, and the tears start to well up, and me, and I don't cry, like, I don't cry much at all, all right? When I cry, it's that you stop and look, okay? And the tears are starting to well up, and they're welling up in everybody, and there's some people who actually do start to cry just listening to what God has done. And I think this is a brilliant illustration of the power of God. Max looks up at me. He's like, why are you crying? What's up? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? And he looks around, he's like, why are they all crying? <laughs> What's going on? And I'm like, Max, be quiet, be quiet. Just, I'll talk to you later. Just calm down, okay? You're front row. You're sitting right, right there. Like, she's standing like a foot away from him. Like, but basically, what he was witnessing was the power of the gospel transforming lives. And us listening to someone talk about the power of the gospel transforming lives. There's a beautiful picture of just the power of the gospel. And him be like, what is going on here? But that's what it does. The gospel brings transformation in a way that nothing else can. Now, I remember being at a youth camp, oh gosh, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, they figured out that the best way to teach memory verses to youth was to get them to rap the memory verses, which is what they did. Um, and they got us all to wrap this verse. It's Romans 1.16. And honestly, I can still, I can still, I can, I st- I can still remember that, that verse word for word. And when I say it, like even if I ever read it out, like I almost wrap it when I read it because I can't, I can't remember it any other way. <laughs> right, I preached this, 
I preached this sermon uh, months ago at Fallowfield, and, uh, and, and, and numbers of people said, oh, is that the one we wrapped? And I was like, is that the only thing you took from this? Um, but um, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. It's like embarrassing. I can't, it's not even rapping. It's talking fast. It's not like someone would be able to do it. All right. I mean, I was hoping to skip over this bit. Am I behind time? Can we, like, you know, yeah, okay, right. So, so it's Romans 1.16. Right, I'll wrap it real quick. Don't laugh too much, all right? I'll, I'll do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do pretend mic. Who do pretend mic? Right, when we get to the end, and it goes Romans 1.16. I'm going to go Romans. I'm going to look at this. You're going to go Romans. Then I'm going to go Romans. Then you're going to go Romans. Then I'm going to go 1.16. And then you're going to go. Okay, right? All right. Pop. I actually don't do that. It's just building up too much. Okay. All right, Romans 1.16. Um, oh, I don't even know what I'm doing. All right, I'm not, ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Romans. 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 1.16. Okay, we're never going to talk about this again, okay? All right, okay? This is not the sermon where Andy rapped. This is just a sermon about Galatians, okay? It will never be talked about again. Anyway, the gospel transforms. Amen? Yes, we've all erased that from our memories. Um, the gospel transforms. I mean, I love how the gospel, it transforms on the big, the big level, and it transforms on the small scale as well. So obviously, the gospel transforms on the big scale. I mean, we look at the Apostle Paul. He went from persecuting Christians, like helping people to kill them, to becoming one, and not only becoming one, but writing half the books in the New Testament and spreading Christianity across Asia and Europe and eventually getting killed for his faith in Jesus. Okay, that, I think we'll agree. That's big transformation, yeah? Huge transformation. But the gospel doesn't just transform on the big scale, dramatically changing us when we become Christians. It can also transform us much more slowly. And I think that's the experience of most of us. It transforms us much more slowly in the small things in our lives too, particularly after we've become Christians. Oftentimes you become a Christian, there's big change. But after you've been one for a while, the change becomes much slower and more gradual. And I think the gospel, one of the things I've found is the gospel, it frees us from feeling like we have to do stuff to make God love us. You know, I've got three kids. They don't got to do anything for me to love them. And that's the same with God. We don't have to do things to make God love us. The gospel frees us from having to impress other people. That's what Paul says has happened with him in verse 10. He's no longer trying to win people's approval. Gospel's freedom from that. The gospel frees us from being worried about the future. Because look, God's got it. I mean, if he can sort out the cross, he's got my future sorted. I, honestly, I think the gospel helps us to relax. I genuinely think that. It helps us to chill out in life, to take the foot off the gas. I, I wanna, I'd say the gospel helps us sleep at night. The gospel helps us be happy. It helps us be content. Those are the things the gospel does. Now, you might be here thinking, okay, how does the gospel bring that kind of transformation? I'd like a piece of that, please. Well, I think what we do, it's real simple. I think we just preach it to ourselves. We sing it to ourselves. We mull over it. You know, we take a picture of that definition. We just think, just think yeah, that's what it is. And we think about it. We apply it to our hearts when situations arise. 
Now, a couple of months ago, I had an experience of applying it to my heart. Someone helped me with it when this situation arose. I was going for a walk um, with someone from church along the, the Mersey River. And you know, there's a little path along the Mersey. It's quite narrow. So when cyclists come along, they normally you know, ring the bell and you should move to the side. But these two cyclists came along, two young lads, all dressed in black. And, you know, um, and they came along and they didn't ring the bell and they didn't move over. And they just sort of rode past us and kind of actually bumped into the person who I was walking with. And they didn't say sorry. They didn't look back, you know. And I was like, gosh, who do they think they are to the person next to me? Look at them, all dressed in black. You know, they're probably like 30 years old and dressed like 13-year-olds. Look at them, all in their north face, black stuff, and their night. You know, like I'm smelling of weed and their shopping bag on this side. Bet those bikes are stolen, you know. And I said that to my friend, you know, and he just turned to me and he said, Andy, that's an awful lot of judgment for one sentence. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, gospel's still got a lot of work to do, doesn't it? Yeah. But just, you know, in that moment, just that, you know, gentle challenge from a friend, there was a, just a moment of compassion came into my heart. I was like, you know what? I don't know where those guys have come from. I don't know what their background is, but you know what? My heart does go out to them and they need the gospel as much as anyone else. There was, there was an, almost an instant transformation in my attitude to those guys in that moment really did change my heart in that moment. Now, sometimes it's much more gradual. Now, I find for me, sometimes when I get anxious about stuff in life, I have a little line I say to myself, and sometimes I'll say it over and over, and it's just this, Jesus has died, so I don't have to worry about that, you know? And I'll say it, and I'll say it again, I'll say it again. Sometimes when I get, when I get jealous about stuff, I'll do that as well. I remember talking to someone recently and they're, they're talking about, oh yeah, I'll get my PA to do that. I was like, you've got a PA? I'd love a PA. A PA would be great. I'm not sure if churches really do PAs, but I'd love a PA. Just like I'd never look at emails again. I was like, oh, I'm slightly jealous of having a PA. And then someone, someone got an extension to their house and I was like, oh, that's very nice. I'd like that. That'd be so good. And I think the jealousy rises up. And I don't, I, but I'm, when in those moments, again, that Jesus has died on the cross, so I don't, I don't have to have a big house. I don't even have to have a PA or a bit. Well, I don't need all that stuff. Jesus died. He's got it. He knows what I need. You know, when I, when I get annoyed about stuff, again, I say, oh, Jesus has died, so I don't have to have everything go my own way. And I just find it really helpful to repeat those things over me. And I find the more I do that, the more I don't have to do those things. Now, sometimes, as I said, transformation is quick in an instant, like, on, like the, a couple of months ago when I had that walk. Oftentimes, transformation is slow, difficult to recognize, but like a child growing up. You know, they grow all the time, but you don't really see it. So, so I just, as we're coming into line, I just want to say, look, the gospel is revealed by God. It's his good news for us of what he has done in Jesus Christ. Now, it's not some nice ideas that somebody's come up with, that we can change. No, it's God's good news for us and it transforms lives like nothing else. And I just want to read one final verse as I finish. It's from 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And you know, when we see him, when we see him in his glory, what he has done for us with unveiled faces, with nothing in the way, when we see him like that, it transforms us. You know, it transforms our mood. I think it makes us happier. It brings contentment. 
It brings sleep easier. I think it brings relaxation. It brings so many things when we see him with open eyes, when we see him clearly. So I just, I was praying about this this morning. I just think for some of us, we aren't looking at Jesus with unveiled faces. Stuff has come in. Stuff has come in in the way and has got in the way. And we aren't seeing Jesus as clearly as we could. And what I want us to do now is to just bask in what he has done, just to enjoy it. There's not a bunch of things I'm going to do as application off the back of this. Application is enjoy Jesus. Look at him with open eyes and enjoy and bask in what he has done.